Tonight on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, cooking with the Daleks. Enjoy the recipe that will exterminate your species. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It will make us duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the front porch of the Exchange and Water Reclamation Facility, directly behind the Grease Fire in Area 51, clickbait for the years, once again, TalkCast 384. Is it really 384? I want to check that. It is actually 384. This edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with massive headaches all around, I'm your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast, some of the gang. In the Peabody Time Tunnel, sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Help Desk tonight, our own button-pushing keyboard clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent virtuoso, and taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana. No. Or not. Exactly. And in the dank, and in the dank dungeon, semi-automatic bookspine refurbishing room, found behind the hidden entrance of the Stephen and Katie Seagal Fundamentalist Sing-Along Center at Cyborg University's ancillary campus in Cloistered Springs, Alabama. It's the young lady who would really like some ice cream tonight, Sombrero Inn. Or a nap. I'll, just, I'll take a nap. Ice cream or a nap or ice cream and a nap? Working no las dos. <laughs> I think we can make it work either way. Our guest tonight on TalkCast 384, which for some reason is a number that I can't kind of put my hands around. I don't know why, but it just sounds like it shouldn't be, yet it is, so we're going with it. Returning to the show tonight is Cameron Quinn, uh, a very talented author and part of the Amphibian Press Group O People. Cameron, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you know, it's, you know, we, we always say to, to, to writers um, that we like and, and have interesting books and stuff. When you got something new, give us a call and let's talk about it on the show. And oddly enough, Cameron sent us an email the other day and said, I got something new. And that something new is, in fact, um, an anthology that uh, is called Beamed Up from Amphibian Press, which is, I believe, five, four short stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, In, obviously, the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. And Ariel Sealing, who was on last week, was talking about her uh, story. And her story was a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk called stalk Mm -hmm. and as she was talking about it i was going well that sounds really interesting and then she said well a bunch of other people 
have stuff in there too, including you. And yours is how to abduct an alien. Yes. And how to abduct an alien is interesting because not only is it a standalone sci-fi short story, but it is also part of the Starsboro Chronicles or set in that universe. Yeah, it uh, it takes place before the Starsboro Chronicles. Um, I did the math once. I think it was uh, <laughs> okay, like eleven years before the first episode. And the first episode was how to how to get arrested, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, I remembered that part. So, tell me about tell me all about how to abduct an alien and how it fits into. The Starsboro Chronicles. Uh, well, when I was creating the Starsboro Chronicles, um, I came about it in kind of a backwards way in that I was trying to write something completely different. Um, that was supposed to be a portal fantasy that took place in another dimension. Um, and I kept thinking about the future of two specific characters and um, their offspring, which are Zurich and Trent Devorty, who are the main characters of the Starsboro Chronicles. And when I first started, I wasn't sure how old they were going to be. I knew I wanted them to be kind of younger. Um, and when I wrote the Starsboro Chronicles, I settled on um, Zurich being, I think, 28 and Trent is 22 in the beginning. Um, but I had stories about when they were teenagers and first getting into monster fighting. And I just wrote this um, kind of a spoof, like just for fun. It was called um, the Starsboro Halloween Special. And in it, Zurich gets abducted by aliens and then he fights Sasquatch and then he sees a chupacabra and then there's a ghost and a vampire. And it's just like this whole horrible evening um, that he has. And I always kind of wanted to explore what would have actually happened when he was in the spaceship because in the Halloween special, um, it's from Trent's perspective and Zerg gets abducted and then pretty much spit right back out. Um, okay. <laughs> because he opens fire in the ship pretty much as soon as he gets there. Um, so I wanted to expand on that a little bit. And then my brother-in-law, um, he likes to make comic books. Um, his, oh no, this is going to be bad. I think his, his, comic books are called damned comics you can find them on um, instagram and stuff um but he was talking about wanting to write a story about someone abducting an alien instead of an alien abducting someone and i thought that was a really cool twist and he wanted me to do it so i kind of threw it into um starsboro so uh in how to abduct an alien it starts the same with zurich getting abducted and then he's, it shows him on the ship, um, which is always really terrifying for me. I hate the idea of alien abductions. I, I don't like to, to think that that could possibly happen. Um, so that was really scary for me writing that, which was kind of fun. Um, and then I have the alien get abducted towards the end and they have to then save the alien. So, so how, so all these, come together in one volume called Beamed Up, and it's you and Ariel and V.S. Holmes, who we've also had on the show, mm -hmm. and someone that we haven't called uh, 
Cullen McHale. How did, yes. how did Cullen get involved with this? Um, well, we put out open submissions for the sci-fi anthology, and um, one of the authors that we work with, Amy Spitzvaden, um, she writes in a writing group with him and mentioned it to him because he writes sci-fi. Um, and so he submitted his piece, and Sarah loved it, and I sadly still haven't read it. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, though. I mean, you know. Things things are uh, really moving forward at Amphibian Press at the moment. You guys have yeah. a lot of stuff going on there. So much stuff. Um, one could argue an insane amount of stuff. Um, yeah, we have six um, launches happening this summer. And then we have, we're acquiring another book and we're kind of debating whether we're going to do a winter launch or wait until spring. And it's just all craziness all the time. I mean, and on, on top of that and having actual lives, you're also doing, I'm guessing, uh, a number of conventions again this year. Um, we're supposed to. We had three that we kind of wanted, or four, that we wanted to go to. Um, Sarah's kind of in charge of that, so I'm waiting to hear back. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that we can go to the one in Connecticut. I don't have the little flyer thing here for it. Connecticut. Possibly it's the one at Mohegan Sun. Yeah, that's Connecticut. I'm hoping to go to that one because my brother actually lives down there. So um, we could kind of spend the three days with him and then drive home. Um, and Because those tend to be very expensive uh, yeah. know, when you're doing the travel and it's a three-day convention on top of it. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so that's why that one's possible, actually, is because he lives, like, 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, and then the other one, I'm not sure what the other one was. I think it was in Massachusetts, and that one was in July, and I don't know. I'm going to Nashville towards the end of July, and I think that I could do it with my schedule, but I'm not sure if Sarah's going to sign us up for it or not, so. Um, uh, have you considered doing any more of the little conventions where... Uh I met you last year at uh, at the one in Keene, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, I love. Um, actually, Keene is probably my favorite. If I can do that one again, I definitely am going to because I like the smaller cons, um, and I really liked the guy who ran that. Sadly, I can't remember his name, but I know what he looks like. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I like the smaller cons. I think that they're a little bit better for um, for authors. And, and artists in particular, people who aren't selling, um, you know, like Pokemon stuffies and stuff. Well, when, when people are jammed into a huge convention center and it paid 50 bucks to get in and, and $20 for parking and 5 bucks for a hot dog before they even walk in the door kind of stuff, by the time they get in there and they've spent uh, another $50 on, on a, on a two-minute photograph and, and 30-second, hi, how are you, with their favorite star, um, they don't have a lot of money left to do a lot of other stuff. Exactly. And I think our least expensive book is $10. So, you know, <laughs> um, and that's our other anthology, Out of the Darkness. So um, it just... You know, you need the smaller cons where it's less expensive for people to get in, preferably with free parking, so that they have a little money to spend on a book. Now, is Out of the Darkness, that's currently available, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. It's uh, the ebook is two ninety nine or possibly ninety nine cents. We should probably look at that. Um, <laughs> I should know that. Um, but the kind of is, yeah, is, that's that's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> and then the paperback I think is nine ninety nine. Um, and that one also has Ariel Sealing, V.S. Holmes, myself, and another author, Archie Donlan. Mm, yes. I know um, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Because <laughs> um, I totally, I remember Donlin, but I couldn't remember the first two because <laughs> I always call him Donlin. <laughs> um, but yeah, that one was a lot of fun. And that one I got to actually explore that other dimension that I was talking about um, that Zurich's parents come from. What have you so got that- coming up in, in terms of, you, you guys spend... Um, a good amount of time finding other people to put in your anthologies. Um, so I know that uh, Beamed Up comes out literally next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and um, if you pre-order it, you get bonuses. Oh, and I've got the I've got the pre-order uh, link here, and we'll make sure that our uh, our listeners can get to that. And uh, if you if you could just I don't know I'll just say it you have to forward or send a screenshot of your receipt to beamedup89 at gmail dot com and then you'll get the bonuses. And there were some That's fairly interesting cool bonuses there. Uh, there was um, actually the the Halloween special that I was talking about. I found it, brushed it up a little bit, and threw it in there just for fun. Um, I did two character some character sketches. sketches yeah. And then we had three character sketches from um, another art artist and archaeologist, actually, who works with um, V.S. Holmes. And V did a, a character sketch as well. And then we have a podcast from Colin McHale. He gave us the first, like, six episodes of his podcast, which is Patreon only. So you get exclusive podcast. Ooh, Ooh yeah. <laughs> as, as opposed to general podcast. Any guy can listen to, which is ours. And, exactly. Yeah, that's mine, too, is anybody can listen. So. <laughs> can we talk a little bit about your podcast? Of course. I, I kind of do, too. Um, one is about is advice for authors, because um, I'm a book marketer at heart, and I like to see people succeed. And the other one, I do author interviews. So if you're an author and you want to be interviewed, shoot me a message. <laughs> so w- what... What do you do in these like author interviews? Just kind of talk about what they're doing and and how they're writing and what they've got. Yeah, we usually talk about. I like to talk about characters because that's what draws me to a story. Um, so I usually do a little bit of research ahead of time. I don't usually read the books because I like them to convince me to read the book. Because um, then hopefully they're convincing viewers to read their book. Um, but I like to talk about you know where they got the ideas for their writing, what they're coming out with now. Um, if they're doing anything that readers can get involved with stuff like that. And I, I have done a few really cool ones. Um, one that is coming out not next week, but the week after, um, uh, I should have my stuff up cause I can't remember names for it to save my life. Janie Dempsey, uh, is coming up in a couple of weeks and she was a really interesting author. And then I got to, to interview, um, Odessa Rose, who wrote Water in a Broken Glass, which was turned into an indie film and released at the beginning of the year. Um, And that one is really interesting. And 
um, Odessa is just a really cool person in general. So that was that's that's really the draw for me is getting to talk to really cool people. It's kind of the draw for me here too. Quite frankly, that's <laughs> that's that's what makes it more fun than than anything else. <clears throat> and one of the other things that Amphibian Press does <clears throat> is they run their own author's blog. Yes, that was that was my love child. Um, so Amphibian Authors is dedicated to helping authors because, like I said, I like to see people succeed. Um, and through that, I've actually. Um, I get to work with Tim Grawl, who's a book marketer, um, like one of the best book marketers. He wrote um, Your First 1,000 Copies, which is I recommend for any anybody who's trying to sell something, you really need to read that book. Um, it's all about platform, and it, I've seen so many like simple mistakes that seem like they're insignificant until you realize what you're missing out on by not doing it. Um, and so I get to go down to Nashville and do like a, a certification program with him in July. And then I get to start coaching authors, which I'm really excited about. Um, and within, within that, that blog, you talk about cover design, publishing, marketing, everything you could possibly think of. Yes, everything. Um, the thing that we actually struggle with is cover design. Um, Sarah and I do a lot of covers ourselves, which generally we don't recommend. We just happen to be really artistic design oriented people. So it works out like Sarah did the beamed up cover. Um, but I, so if anyone knows a good cover designer who would be willing to write a blog post, we always link back to um, people who help us with blog posts. So Definitely looking for those if you want to write a cover design blog that links back to your cover designing website. We're all oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think uh, I had one woman on, and she's a really great designer. She is from Spain, I think, so English is her second language. And I think there was a bit of a barrier there because I think she was afraid to write about like indie publishing. And I'm like, we're an indie press. Like, as much as I want to publish your story, if I can help you publish your story. That is what I want to do. Um, Cause I'm all about empowering authors and, you know, being able to eat while you write is nice. I hear. Um, <laughs> so, you heard that, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I heard that somewhere. Um, but that's kind of my goal is basically to empower authors and get them to a point where they can write and put food on the table. Or a roof over their head, clothes, whatever, whatever you need. Or gas in their car, whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever that thing is that you need, I want to help you get it. <laughs> and I mean, the, the the kind of tell here is that Amphibian Press has been together since 2014. Mm -hmm. And in that time, you guys have published about 20, 20 different books over the past Four years. Is it really that many? Yeah, I'm looking at them right now, and I'm going, "Holy crap! That's that's some amazing stuff." So, I mean, you know, the proof is, is that you guys are living the lifestyle you preach, and uh, putting all this stuff together, and and working towards your book launch certification. Mm -hmm. What what does that what does that mean? Uh, is, that, is that part that is part of your marketing degree or? No, I got a marketing degree um, separate from books. And actually, I got an associate's degree. And the reason was 
that traditional marketing degrees from a college, I went to um, Southern New Hampshire University, are oriented around traditional marketing practices and book marketing now in today's world is not traditional. Um, there are certain things that are tried and true, like email marketing is very important. Um, but most of what I was learning really wasn't helping me. The things that I found helpful were actually the business courses that I had to take to get my marketing degree. Um, so if I ever go back, I'll go back for business, not marketing. But um, now the certification, that's where Tim Grawl comes in. Um, so he's one of these people who is insane and likes to do everything by himself. So he, everybody, like he's launched tons of best-selling books. Like that's his thing. He's known for getting people on the bestseller lists. Um, and he's so in demand that he charges $500 an hour for his time. And he's booked for the next two years for coaching clients. So what he decided to do, because he hates turning people away, which I would too, um, is he's training about, there's 14 to 20 of us that he selected uh, who he's training, who he can then refer people to that he knows, you know, nice. sending people to people who are properly trained and they're in good hands and, and he can feel good about. Um, so when I applied for that, it was actually kind of on a whim. Um, I didn't think I was going to get it because, you know, I never think I'm going to get things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't know. I'm just one of those. I'm not one of those people like, you know, some people are super optimistic. I'm optimistic, but there's certain things where I'm like, eh, that's not going to work out, but I'm going to try anyway. And then there's other things where it's like, you know, like some people think that bad things will never happen to them. I always think bad things are going to happen to me. Yeah, my, my, my philosophy <laughs> has always been if you expect the worst to happen when it doesn't, you're mildly surprised. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my life. Um, so, you know, that was huge and exciting. And then I get into this program and I'm going through all of the lessons and I'm trying to, you know, grow my email list so that I have people potentially to coach when I'm ready. And, um, and I'm looking at the Facebook group that has all of us in it or most of us in it. And I'm like, everybody has more experience than me, uh, which they, I mean, they probably don't actually have more experience than me. It's just my, my terrified self. Um, cause I know, like, I know so much. I, I've realized this when I did a free 30 minute coaching call to somebody. Um, I do that. If you want to test me out, you can ask me anything for 30 minutes. Um, and I, I didn't even scratch the surface of everything that I wanted to tell her. So, you know, just from that, it was kind of empowering and realizing that, Hey, I do know, I do know what I'm doing and this is working and maybe I do deserve to be here, you know? <laughs> okay, so let me ask you a question then in your capacity as person who helps aspiring authors and writers and stuff. As you know, we just put out a book a year and a half ago, and we put out a, we're ready to put out a second book, uh, My Peculiar Family to the Hunt for Curly's Gold or something like that. In any case, um, you have a whole thing about book covers, and I was really interested to hear that before. So tell me, here's here's how I figured out how to do a book cover. Tell me if I did it right or not. <laughs> I found an artist that I really liked, 
talked to them for half an hour and said, give me an idea for a book cover from that. And I mean, and I got three really tremendous book covers that way. I actually ended up with two for book one and another one for book two. So, I mean, would you suggest that that's a good way to do it? Yes, I definitely, with artists especially, I think talking to them um, for a while ahead of time, because if you don't talk to them enough, then they don't, you know, they can't, they can't pull a book cover out of their butt. I mean, they could, but it's not gonna be what you want. So getting them, like getting on the same page with an artist is so important. Like, I can't, okay. My artist um, that I use for the Starsboro Chronicles, he did the cover for book one, and I had a different artist doing the episodes, um, but the cover for book one was more on genre. So I wanted to kind of switch. Um, so I went through and I gave him, I think, like a one sentence description of each thing that I wanted. And we ended up going back and forth, forth for a couple of days on these covers because I wasn't specific enough. So the, the really bad part here is he put all this effort in and then I had to make him change it. And he does everything by hand. He doesn't use the computer for everything. He uses it for some pieces, but not everything. So I felt terrible. I mean, I had to be, I had to do it because I needed these book covers to look a certain way so that, you know, they, I didn't have to redo them again because this was my second run of book covers. Um, so I think sitting down and having an actual conversation, not just a text conversation, not just texting, messaging, whatever, sit down and have a real conversation with your, your artist and then and like, and keep an open mind because they are going to add their own thing to it. And that's where you get the gold is by letting them have the reins. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, what I've, what I've found in, in putting the two books together is that. When it comes to the cover, if you can just sit and talk and go, okay, here's the whole idea. And, and then I, I, had, I had two such great covers for book one that I literally used one for the front cover and one for the back cover because they were from two different artists. And it was so difficult to decide which one I was, wanted to use that I ended up having to use both of them because they were both so good. That's that's really awesome, and I think you had the cover at the con, didn't you? Yes, the new cover. For book two, I yes. love that. Oh yeah, that, my gosh, did I? Karen love Karen Goslin did that one, and she's just uh, she she was actually a writer in book one, which is even weirder. Oh, I didn't know and, she wrote too. Uh, a lot of people didn't know she wrote when when I was putting book one together, uh, and Karen and I go back a whole whole slew of years. She uh, Karen's husband Tom said. Well, you know, Karen writes too. And I looked at her and she just blushed and I went, cool, you're in. <laughs> what does was, she write? Um, she does a lot of short story stuff and it's a lot of fantasy stuff. Uh, it, well, again, because her most of her artwork is also in the fantasy genre. So it, it fits really well. And she she's as eloquent with words as she is with pictures so from that standpoint we got very lucky and uh in, in in putting together book one i said to her look if we ever do a book two yeah you've got the cover for sure and at that point um 
when book two came about, you know, the big question was, well, what do you want? I said, no, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> you know what the book's going to be about. You know how it's put together. Uh, the only difference is this one is about celebrations of one kind or another. So you go for it. And literally within a week, she sent me two sketches, two wildly different sketches and said, pick one. <laughs> that's that's and, awesome, though. And I did, and it was wonderful. So the, the good news for us is that Amphibian Press, which when we first kind of got hold of about, gosh, what, a year and a half, two years ago? It was two, um, yeah. When, when we started talking to you guys, was just kind of putting itself together, making itself, uh, finding, finding your identity and, and getting your work together. And it's thriving now. And congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. It's because been a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute lot of work. And, um, you know, from, from my standpoint, it's great to see authors actually make it happen. I'm all about making it happen. <laughs> my middle name. No. <laughs> Um, not according to the website, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually still accepting um, submissions for our next anthologies, which are Surrender to Passion, which is a steamy romance, and My Soul to Take, which is a ghost or haunting horror story anthology. And sometime coming up soon is, is Salem Witch. Yes, Salem Witch is probably going to come out in October. Um, I was originally shooting for September, but I think October is better marketing-wise because Halloween. <laughs> yeah, um, I know, I know, I know. And it's all witchy. So um, I was kind of thinking it would be really awesome to release it on the fall equinox because the equinox plays a huge part in the story. Um, but I have to see when exactly the fall equinox is and make sure I can get things no, together in time. You make it work that way. Yeah, I, I'd like to. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Salem Witch is a prequel to um, a series that I'm doing, uh, Tales for, from the Salem Grimoire. Uh, and it's about a fictional set of, I don't want to say instances, um, events that lead to the Salem Witch Trials. Um, so... Like, I wrote in my blog about the actual Salem witch trials and how they were probably started by a fungus, ergot, that was in the rye, um, and then hysteria took over. Uh, but I thought it would be kind of cool if there was a real witch who accidentally got a bunch of non-witches in this predicament. Um, so her name is Millie Millicent, and she is the most powerful witch in... Uh, the new world. Um, she doesn't know that yet, but <laughs> she is. Um, and she has a friend who is a native. She is um, from the Mashpi tribe um, of Indians. And, but she has, she married a white man and has children that are uh, mixed race. And because of that, the other, the rest of the coven kind of turns their nose up at her. Um, and when her children get sick, she asks them for help and Millicent is forbidden from helping. Uh, but she decides to help anyway and chaos ensues and there's consequences and, um, the end is her 
trying to save the witches from the non-witches from being hung. So, <laughs> it's, so that's um, that's coming out right around Halloween. Yeah, coming out next week is beamed up with stories by Ariel Sealing, Cullen McHale, V.S. Holmes, and our guest tonight, Cameron J. Quinn, joining us from Amphibian Press. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And again, I will say, next time you have something new, give us a call. I will. (laughs) Coming up on Sci-Fi Saturday Night in the next couple of weeks, he said, flipping the page. Flipping the page, flipping the page. I just had that page. And now I don't know where it is, so we're not going there. All Thought Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, King Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, Smooze.com, and Comic Art House. It's at ComicArtArts.com. Some of the best deals in the digital art of the you think. Yeah, if you know, take a look at Five by Saturday Night First Anthology. I've now on it. Are you now available? was provided by Rob Watts, where his amazing stuff can be found on robwattsonline.com. Now selling hot sauce. Our options provided by the moments made me cry. Check out your grooves or Thank you so much for my cast from the Peabody Time Tunnel. This is part of the South Carolina. This I know.